Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fass, or a.k.a. Coach Fass. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we are joined by Army Defensive Coordinator Nate Woody, who has spawned a young and up-and-coming coaching tree on the East Coast. Coach Woody's special brand of 3-4 defense is really fascinating to me, and I've jumped way down the rabbit hole watching his schemes and some of his protege schemes all throughout college football over the past three to four years. Coach Woody's really fun to talk to and give some really interesting perspectives on the odd front and how he uses speed and quickness to get into even fronts and play quarters coverage. We talk about some of his favorite pressures as well as some of the tricks of the trade that he's learned over the past 30 years in coaching. He's a really fun guy to talk to and I can't wait for you to hear the interview. Before we get started, weekly housekeeping items, make sure you check out my website, www.coachvast.com, as well as my Patreon account, www.patreon.com slash coachvast. Also on the pinned tweet on the at coachvast account, you will see a link to my coach tube bundle, as well as the link to a free clinic that I did for the Wisconsin High School Coaches Association, which I'll talk about later on in the show. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do so. And if you got a free second and, you know, let's be honest, we all do. I'd love for you to rate and write a review for the show to help other coaches find it. In addition to my at Coach Vast account, make sure you follow the show at MDGA podcast. And lastly, before we get into the show, you can still donate to the Veronica Vassar end of life funds. GoFundMe account on www.gofundme.com slash Veronica Vassar. Your generosity has helped out so much through this process, but there's still a ways to go. All right, let's go talk to Coach Woody. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Nate Woody, defensive coordinator at Army. Coach, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Chris. Uh, pleasure to be here tonight. Appreciate that. Appreciate that a lot. Um, so before we get started, I want to kind of you to give the listeners a brief background, and then I want to uh, tell a story to the audience to let them know how I was led to you and your front door, so to speak. Um, tell the listeners how you got to Army and your journey in coaching and um, kind of your path. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris. What uh, uh, when when I finished college at at, uh, at Wofford back in the early '80s, uh, uh, I, I got out of school and I, and I went into the construction business with uh, with a good friend of mine uh, down in Charleston, in South Carolina. And I worked down there for a few years and uh, got the opportunity to uh, to to work as a as a GA for Mike Ayers at at, uh, at Wofford College. And uh, and I jumped on that that uh, that opportunity. And you know, going, going to Wofford uh, back then was was one of the uh, you know greatest things that that that, that ever happened to me. Um, I was able to learn from a guy that that, uh, that I thought could coach any position and coach it as good as anybody in the country. But uh, but I stayed with Coach Ayers and uh, and worked at Wofford for um, for quite a few years. And then I jumped back into the construction business for uh, for a couple of years with uh, with a good friend of mine, and uh, and then was able to come right back to Wofford, and uh, and that was probably around '97 season, and, and stayed there for a couple more years before I became a coordinator. So uh, uh, Wofford, I stayed there for 12 more years as a coordinator. Uh, left there to go to Appalachian State in. Uh, in the 2013 season. So, uh, so coached at Appalachian state 
with Scott Satterfield. It was uh, his first year as, as the uh, head coach at App. And uh, I stayed there five years with, uh, with Coach Sat. And they were good years. Had uh, uh, some good defenses, some really good coaches that, uh, that were coaching with me. And, and then um, the opportunity to go to Georgia Tech and, and work as the defense coordinator for Paul Johnson. Now, after, uh, after the season, uh, we played uh, we played a bowl game, and, and I guess after our bowl game at, uh, at Georgia Tech, uh, Coach Johnson decided to retire. So at that point, uh, I had an opportunity to go work as a senior defensive analyst for uh, uh, Coach Harbaugh and, and Don Brown, and that was something that that I'd always looked forward to was uh, was going up there and working with Coach Brown because of his attack style of defense. It was something that uh, uh, anytime you get in trouble to where the other team is moving the ball. And, and from a momentum standpoint, you just can't quite get it turned back around. It just seems like, uh, you know, Don Brown was one that could always get that momentum turned around easily. in uh, in the majority of the games that he was playing. So I uh, went and worked with uh, coach Brown and, um, and then after, uh, after the season was able to, uh, to get the defense coordinator job here at army and uh, have been here, um, you know, a few months now. So that's what, uh, that's what got me here. That's awesome. So I'm going to tell a little bit of my own story now and how we connected. So I was speaking with a linebackers coach at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I forget how they, I think it's just the university of Louisiana now. Um, Austin Armstrong, who's a friend of mine. And we were doing one of these zoom clinic things and I, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but he said, you know, there's three defensive families and for my money right now that are making things happen. And he said, you know, the saving guys, the Dave Aranda guys, you know, coach Roberts and that, that tree, which actually coach Aranda's in coach Roberts's tree. And then he said the Nate Woody, I forgot exactly what he said. He said the Nate Woody East Coast three, four family. And it's, I don't know if it was just something that everybody knows is that, or it's something he just, set off the top of his head and I'd heard your name before and I know you were at app state and he started, he rattled off a couple other names and I, you know, with my new position in terms of education of coaches, you know, when I was just a coordinator for my own defense, I stayed in my lane and I studied, but I wasn't going out of my comfort zone a lot because to be honest with you, we had had some success and I didn't, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, well, you want to get better. You want to stay on the cutting edge, but you're doing well. We had been very successful for a few years. And so we were just looking to polish things up. And and, and I had been an even admittedly an even front guy my whole life. And I know that you get into some even fronts, but you, you know what I mean? And so, but now in this new position, I'm trying to expand my horizons more on a deeper level because when I first started coaching, my mentor, Keith Burns, was like, listen, because I, I, you know, I would learn, get all these playbooks and I'd learn all these different systems. And he'd say, Chris, you got to pick one and you got to go with it. Because one day I'd be like one week, it'd be obsessed with Tampa, two, And then, the, you know, the the next week I wanted to learn the three, three, five stat. You know, you're young. You're trying to learn all this stuff. You don't know what to you don't know what you don't know. And so I was very everything was cool. Everything was great. And then I got very myopic and very like, this is what I'm going to study. But now with this new position in life in the coaching community, I'm trying to expand my horizon. So when he said that, I was like, okay, you know, I'd heard of coach Woody, but 
I didn't know there was this whole family. And so. Yeah, I didn't either. You didn't either. <laughs> so I wrote down all the names and I put a tweet out saying, Hi, and this is, this shows you how much I, I knew because, you know, I, I grew up on the East Coast. I was lived in Florida since I was 22, but I've been, you know, I've been on the West Coast for the last 14 years. And so I wrote down Nate, Woody, and Scott Satterfield, not not recognizing that Scott, not realizing. I knew he was, but not putting two to two together in the moment that, you know, Scott's an offensive guy. <laughs> and he was talking about your staff as a whole. And so I sent out a tweet saying, hey, does anybody know this, you know, Nate, Woody, and, and Scott Satterfield? And just by chance, Courtney Braswell, the outside linebacker at App State now, like in two minutes, and I think it was one of those weird Twitter algorithms where we had just followed each other like two days prior, and it probably knew that, you know, they they it knows all your contacts and stuff, but he said my tweet was at the very, he opened Twitter literally two minutes after I put out the tweet. It was the first tweet he saw, and he reached out, and he's like, oh, I work for, you know, I, I know these guys, and I work for this guy and that guy, and yeah. so... And then he connected us, and so I I started devouring the defense. I talked to Coach uh, Braswell. I talked to you, and I'm gonna have him on uh, soon. And I I really enjoyed the structure of the defense, and especially the simplicity, which I'm um I'm a we need to do everything under the sun, and we need to you know we can't have a defense run unless that has eight words kind of a thing. I'm one of those guys. But in terms of expanding my horizons and, you know, trying to make things simple in the age where people are trying to go super fast, you know, I, it really intrigued me. And so I talked to coach and I talked to you and I started trying to, you know, research things. And, and I, and I thought, you know what, this is something, and this is something that I don't think enough people know about. And I, I think it would help a lot of coaches. And I really kind of fell in love with the system and the scheme and what you've built over the years. I just think it's really cool. So I wanted to bring it to the listeners. Yeah, the the uh, you know when I was at Wofford College, uh, uh, you know I was I was able to hit the uh, uh, the clinics and, and and do a little bit of that, and I think that's when I first uh, uh, came in contact with Courtney was maybe at uh, uh, a clinic uh, in Nashville or, or Brentwood, uh, right around in that area. So uh, he was just uh, so studious and just so, so always wanting more. It was uh, it was really neat and easy to stay in touch with uh, with Courtney over the years, um, and then uh, uh, he did go with uh, Coach Satterfield to Louisville and, and work with that same staff that I had worked with at uh, at Appalachian State. But but I think where where it all started for me was at at Wofford College, and and Wofford is a a small school, um, you know, probably uh, you know it's under two thousand students, and uh, you know just staying there for, for quite a while and, and, and working through some of the issues, just like, uh, just like you were talking about how you wanted to, to reach out and, and try a little bit of this three, three stuff. And, and uh, you know, even front and, and all, I did the same thing uh, early on. If, if you passed uh, midfield, I was blitzing every down. It, it was, uh, I, like I felt it. like I was cheating. I was cheating our, uh, our, uh, our guys, our defense, if, if I wasn't sending, you know, at least, you know, one extra and I was sometimes two extra and as many as I could send. But, um, but as the years went on, I, I, uh, what I wanted to do was, was be able to defend multiple offenses. And the Wofford offense was one that, uh, 
you line up with three backs in the backfield, run the, uh, you know, the wishbone or, or triple option. And uh, I guess a lot of people call it the wing bone. And then they would come back and be able to put a tight end in the ball game and go to the gun with either one or two backs in the backfield. And then you had that, uh, that, that tight end in the backfield that would also, you know, at, at that time, I thought it was cutting edge, you know, just being able to go back and forth between a triple, uh, a gun, you know, all those things just uh, were tough on the defense to to defend. So the the thing that, that uh, my boss wanted to do was wanted to come up with a defense that could uh, give us a chance to win against the best team in the conference back then, and that was uh, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern was winning a lot of national championships. They were in the Southern Conference, and Paul Johnson was uh, was the head coach and was running that uh, that trouble. So we went uh, we went to a three four, and um, when we first went to the three four, we would uh, we would do this. We'd, we'd get the nose, and, and we'd we'd get a big nose that that, that uh, you know could stuff the, the center. And we'd line him up in a zero, and then we'd uh, we'd get these big ends and line them up over the tackles. And uh, you know, linebackers were big and thick. You know, those guys were great pluggers downhill. And then our outside linebackers would be a mixture of of uh, big or small, but as athletic as we could get. So we had trouble getting to the quarterback, and we had trouble in space when teams were able to get out on the perimeter. So from a recruiting standpoint, what we started doing, a guy named Jack Teachy was a defensive line coach back then, says, I just don't want any more defensive linemen just because of size. You know, what uh, what I want are guys that can move their feet. And uh, previous to the 3-4, we had run some even front stuff. And you can get some big guys that can hold, you know, hold uh, a a double team or, or, or uh, defend their gap, but you know when those guys aren't in the ball game, if you got a substitute for them, whether because of injury or because they're tired, uh, you know that next guy we just didn't have that. You know from right. a depth standpoint. So when we moved uh, to the three four, now all of a sudden you know those, those big guys were, were having to move a little bit, and they, they they get out of their gap, and it was hard for us to fit. So uh, and we didn't get a great pass rush out of our interiors. Uh, we did a great job getting a pass rush out of our outside guys, but uh, but not enough to where it mattered. So what we went to was this. We could find guys in South Carolina, Georgia, and Southeast. So we'd go in Ohio, recruit some too, and, and uh, um, Kentucky, you know, and get some guys that, that uh, number one, we had to find – a nose tackle that, that had a little bit of girth to him. All right. And a guy that, that could move his feet. You know, he was the one that would take on the majority of the double teams. Our ends, we started recruiting linebacker type guys, um, guys that could move, you know, sometimes fullbacks. And those guys would not always be the tall, lanky type of, of guys that, uh, that you see nowadays as far as pass rushing. Yeah, that's interesting, Coach, kind of as an outside-in guy looking at the odd front. When I think of those three, four ends, I mean, not the outside backers, but the four techniques, I'm thinking you have to have these long, big, 
strong guys that can, you know, throw a tackle and get back outside. Like, you know, if you're a four eye, and I know you're always playing four eye, but you know, they could hold point and then shove back outside and do all these different things. So it's really interesting that the first thing that you said was we recruited linebackers. It's interesting because I don't think like that. The way I learned the three, four was from the pros. When I was at San Jose state, we had some guys that came through that were in the pros. So when they said, Oh, when you want to run the three, four, you know, New England was running the three, four in the mid two thousands and they had Ty Warren and Richard Seymour. <laughs> I understand pro yeah. ball is different than, you know, college football, but that was always stuck in my brain. And so I, I just kind of how I view yeah. things. So it's interesting to hear you say that again, at the time that the, the teams that, that, uh, yeah, the team that was winning the national championship and, and, and was just, uh, uh, having great success uh, across the country was Georgia Southern in our conference. So you had to get a little bit more speed on the field. You had to do something to slow the, uh, uh, the offensive line down a little bit from getting to the next level of the defense. So, uh, so what we did, we started uh, recruiting guys that had great feet, um, you know, a little bit more flexibility in their hips and, and ankles and guys that uh, were quick. So what we said was this, we can line somebody up that, that has more athleticism uh, on these offensive tackles and we can move them. Uh, whether we're going inside or outside, you know, we can marry that up. And now that tackle doesn't know. And, uh, and generally when you're going against a triple option, the, the, uh, the space in between the guard and tackle and between the uh, guard and the center is, is much wider than, than a conventional offense. But, uh, but so those, those ends became linebacker type guys or fullback type guys from high school. So the speed on the defense, you know, shot through the roof. We've got much, much better. And that also helped us from a standpoint of uh, rushing the passer because we could get guys that, that might be a little bit uh, undersized. The other guys would, would pass on. But, uh, but these guys were athletic, and they had a, a little bit more bend to them. You know, as, uh, uh, if you get hand, uh, the offensive lineman's hands off of you, uh, and your feet are quicker and faster and you got a little bit of bend to you, you can either turn your speed into power or, or use a finesse, uh, uh, pass rush. So anyway, that's, that's what we started doing. And, and then all of a sudden you got a, a ton of guys at that end position that you can use and rotate during the course of the game to where, Hey man, you can go hard. You can chase the football. You can do a better job of pursuing out on the perimeter, the, uh, uh, the defense and those guys started uh, uh, running some stuff down for us, a lot of stuff. Um, but uh, but regardless, the the that nose now became the only one that we had to recruit that had to be you know a good big size guy that, that had to take on the double teams because when you put the ends directly over the offensive tackles, you see you can get the double teams, you know. Um, because somebody, one of those guards, had to uh, to take care of that nose, because those centers need a little bit of help with them. If you're a zero nose, and uh, not uh, not many centers can can handle that nose one on one, you know, for for a lot of plays. But a lot of offensive line coaches were were scared to leave that guy, you know, one on one with the nose, as long as he had some quickness to him, you know, and had a little bit of strength, and then. Um, you know, outside linebackers became guys that, uh, well, yeah, I, I remember uh, Carolina Panthers were uh, were practicing at, at Wofford. 
And, uh, you know, Dom Capers had, uh, was running a three, four at the time. So, uh, he did a great job with his outside linebackers as far as disguising, you know, which one was coming and which one was dropping. And, uh, we went to the same thing. I remember there's a guy, uh, Kevin Green was just a, a really, really intelligent outside linebackers, great pass rusher. I don't know if his, his skill level was, was such at that time. Yeah. It was at the end of his career, right? When he went with Don. Exactly. And they yeah. had, was that when they had Ernie Mills? Not Ernie, that's the receiver, Sam Mills. Sam Mills. Who yeah. was the other outside linebacker? Oh, see, uh, yeah, that's so I know. long I'm ago. I'm putting you I can't on the spot. His name, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but he was, uh, he was outstanding. Uh, uh, they had both, uh, Kevin Green and, and the guy, uh, his name comes back to me, but, uh, but anyway, both of them were, were outstanding. They had a good defense, a really good defense. And at that time, um, one of the few three, four defenses in, uh, in the league, I think around that time, there's probably, uh, uh, the Patriots, the Panthers, uh, maybe the, the, the Texans and, and, uh, possibly the chargers at, at, at some point, but, uh, but regardless, uh, you know, we started using our outside linebackers and, and would disguise their alignments as far as whether they were coming on, on a pass rush or dropping in coverage you know, just to determine and put everybody on the same page. I didn't want to play a two gap with my, uh, with my ends. They just weren't big enough to do that. So we would, uh, we would try to play a one gap defense. And, uh, the way we did that is if, if the ball is on the right hash, uh, as the defense looks at it, I would, uh, I make a right call. And what that would do would, would send my, my right end through, through the B gap, you know, and uh, it would rush my outside linebacker. Now the outside linebacker that I put into the boundary was a guy that would be able to pass rush better than, uh, than the outside linebacker to the field. All right. And the majority of the time, the outside linebacker into the boundary would be the guy that was, uh, that was rushing. Um, so that, that, uh, that outside linebacker into the boundary, I would call him my dog. And uh, that reduction end would be the guy going through the B gap. And he had one or two ways of going through the B gap. He could go with a vertical charge through the inside clavicle of the tackle, or he could take uh, a little bit more of an angle to the outside pad of the guard. And then the splits would dictate, you know, what, uh, you know, which kind of charge he wanted to make, you know, on, on that. Uh, but as long as he had the B gap, we were good to go, you know? And that uh, and that outside linebacker would uh, would either jet up the field hard and put some stress on the offensive tackle, but sometimes he'd set it down and play slow. Majority of the time he was getting up the field. Um, if we made a right call, then that right end was going through the B gap. The left end would do the exact opposite. So if the right end is going through the B gap, that left end would be playing that C gap, and um, and then the nose would play the gap away from the call. So if I made a right call, the nose would play the A gap away from that, uh, away from that, that call. So we call, uh, you know, if uh, the right call gave us a B gap in, we would call that our reduction side. Okay. And if, uh, and then away from the reduction side, we would call that our Oki side. So you got the nose and the end to the Oki side. So that linebacker would be the B gap linebacker to the Oki side and then to the uh, reduction side, 
basically a gap linebacker uh, to to that side. So our our, uh, our coverage for the most part was some type of rotation to the reduction side, whether it was uh, cloud force or whether it was sky force. And then um, back uh, back over to the field, that outside linebacker we call him an Apache here. He would be a guy that, that would be involved in in-run force, and he would be uh, uh, in the pass drop or coverage, whatever coverage we call. So just to make a, a front call, you, uh, you either gave a left or right call, and you would marry it up with the coverage that would rotate your, your uh, uh, safety or corner to give you an in-run force. And that's, uh, you know, that, that served us well at, uh, at Wofford, because all of a sudden we became a faster defense than, than who we're playing against. And uh, I kept it real simple for the guys and they were able to, to get after it pretty good. You know, as long as, uh, as long as that end was, was quicker than that offensive tackle, if that, uh, if that guard to the reduction side was, was trying to, to uh, help the center, you know, on a flow away, you know, now all of a sudden that space that that offensive tackle had to protect was tremendous. You know, with that guard going down to the nose, that tackle really had to work his feet hard to cut off the end. And uh, like I said, we were playing with ends that, that were uh, at one time, either linebackers or fullbacks. So as far as blitzing, you really didn't have to, to blitz a ton, um, you know, because those guys were a little bit more athletic. Now, you know, the, the, the one thing that, uh, uh, that you, you, you did, you got, you got more speed, you know, on the field and, um, you were able to, to, uh, reduce their splits down tremendously. And then once they reduced their splits in order to help the, uh, the offensive tackle, now those outside linebackers did a great job of, shortening their distance to the quarterback and, and been able to, uh, to get pressure on the quarterback. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a big part of what, uh, what we did at Wofford. And, um, you know, we played an awful lot of zone because in the back end, we needed to be able to, uh, to help, you know, somebody in the back end, you know, whether it was get a safety over a boundary corner or get a safety over to help the, the field corner. So we had a plethora of, of uh, zone coverages that that, uh, that we helped those guys. And I guess our philosophy was this. Uh, we wanted to play fast. We wanted to play with great fundamentals. We didn't want to spend a ton of time on assignment off of uh, off a lot of different calls. But we could just switch it up and, uh, you know, a right call would be, uh, you know, one defense, a left call would be the other. So those front guys could, could get after it. And, uh and that was uh, that was good for us. I had uh, I had gone to uh, to several schools to see how to play the tight defense, and each time I went there, I just didn't think that I could get the personnel that I wanted, you know, to to do that. I could get as many of those ends as, as I wanted that, that were quick and fast and athletic. So uh, so I thought I thought this I thought those those defensive linemen would much rather play in this style of defense to where they're getting after it and attacking rather than just holding off guys, you know, to get to the next level of the, the uh, defense. So guys would, uh, 
guys would, would attack like crazy. Now, you can't just go running straight up the field or you open up some seams. So we, we started teaching those guys, hey, when you, uh, uh, when you get a block, if, if his face is coming to you, don't just stand there and hold it off. Uh, let's, let's shed it right now and, uh, and try and flip our hips and come as tight as we can off of that, uh, that block and then chase and pursue the football. So uh, uh, whenever a, a guard would come out to a reduction in, uh, we'd attack him, put our hands on him, and then try to shed him as we catapult ourselves through our gap responsibility and then bend to, uh, to the ball and chase it as hard as we could. And, uh, and that was one thing that, that we could do well because those guys were used to running. Now, the other thing you could do is you could have a bunch of them because you can find those type of guys that can run if they were just a bit shorter. You know, um, they didn't have to be the 300 and, you know, 10 pound guys, you know, so, uh, uh, we could rotate guys all day long at that, that position and go hard, go fast. So as the season wore on, we continue to get better and better and better because you start rotating all those guys early in the season, they keep playing, they keep getting better and better. So your depth is, is, uh, something that, that just continues to build. And as uh, as guys possibly get injured during the the latter part of the season because of so many reps, you know, ours weren't getting injured as much because right. uh, you you just gave them a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if it's rest because they were they were running like crazy, but but yeah, you could you could give them a little blow after they chased the heck out of the football. Right. And at that time. You know, every, everything was spreading out and they were spreading the field a lot more. Quarterbacks were becoming more agile and, and uh, you know, harder to tackle, harder to bring down. So those smaller guys that we were playing at, at end with were guys that were athletic enough to help us bring down a, a quarterback. A lot of times the, the bigger guys weren't athletic enough to finish the play for us against a more athletic quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, so we had a had a lot more success at, at actually finishing the play than uh, than we had previously. I'm excited to introduce Coach Vast Defense, a comprehensive out of the box defensive system with everything you need to coordinate a top tier defense coming in early 2025. The system is a one stop shop and comes with a complete robust defensive scheme with tools to get into any structure, including even odd, mint tight, bare, stack three high, and more. It comes with an NFL-level playbook with run fits and route matches, narrated install videos with a schedule for implementation, and a library of answers for every offense you will see, including the spread 11 personnel offense du jour, the air raid, the Bryles offense, option schemes including the flex bone, the wing tee, three back, and much more. It also comes with a drill and game film library, live in-season game planning sessions, templates to help you organize practice, opponent breakdown, and tools to make you a better play caller. Whether you're new to coordinating or a grizzled vet looking for new ideas, this system will have something for everyone. If you want to see all the details of the system, visit coachfastdefense.com and make sure to sign up for the mailing list to get updates and invitations to webinars to have your say in the system's creation so all of your coaching needs are met. Again, go to coachfastdefense.com, check out the details, and sign up for the mailing list. Now let me ask about the structure of the defense. So just to kind of give the viewers their perspective, the viewers, yes, the listeners their perspective. So kind of recapping what you said in your first call. So if you're going, let's say the field is to the defensive left, going from left to right, 
You've got obviously a corner to the field. You have an overhang to the field. Your outside linebacker, who you call an Apache. So A, Apache. Your front is a four technique end. Let's just say your base. A four technique end, a nose, a four technique end. Now, one thing I was a little confused about, and I just want to clarify. When you're talking about Oki end and reduction end, that's based on the call. That's not a position, correct? Because either end could be the Oki or the reduction side based on where you're coming from, right? Yeah, exactly right. If I make a right call, and then that right end is in reduction. Okay, because when yeah. Coach was describing it when he was going through the positions, I thought that was actually a position, so to speak. So that makes sense. And so your dog is your outside backer. You got a mic and a will and a strong safety and a free safety. So you started off with a, a boundary side rush. So when you're coming from the boundary, you are more often than not, are you, are you playing too high or one high just as your base? We get into what we call a split coverage or a post coverage. Okay. And then, uh, so basically what, uh, you know, from that weak side, we were, we were playing uh, an, an awful lot of uh, split coverage, whether it was cloud support or safety support. Okay, so you play quarter, quarter, half, or quarters. That's correct. Yes. Okay. And and, uh, and then if we brought uh, if we brought a reduction from the field, the majority of the time we're in a uh, a post coverage. Okay, so and, you kind uh, of group those together. So that's more of a traditional. I mean, in terms of you know, when I think three, four, I think strong side coming from the field. You know, you're you're going to roll down strong rotates. You got to slant your front weak. I mean, it all kind of goes together. Um. That's right. Now, when you were playing your coverages, your zone coverages, so to speak, were you more spot dropping, looking at the quarterback? Were you zone matching? How, how were you playing those coverages? You know what? When I first started, uh, you know, I, I would try to, to match that stuff pretty good. Uh, again, you got to understand, influence was coming from uh, uh, you know Don Capers and, and the Carolina Panthers back right. in those days were there, so they were playing an awful lot of fire zones and 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 being able to 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 uh, bring pressure from wherever they wanted to, and they would play. What uh, what we call a match coverage uh, back then, uh, I guess uh, some people call it fire zone, uh, you know, match coverage. So uh, we did that, and yet early on we just didn't get enough reps at that to get really good at it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there was uh, you know our offense at the time was was running a, a good bit of triple option, and that triple option is not what you want to be in uh, you know a match coverage against. So, uh, and then Georgia Southern again was, was running the triple option and yeah, you didn't want to be in that, uh, match coverage, uh, against those guys. And I right. think, uh, I think there was another, maybe a Citadel and possibly VMI. I think, uh, you know, we're all running the, the triple option with three backs in the backfield. So, uh, just for us at the time, the best thing to do was to spot drop them. So I would right. drive that, uh, that, uh, uh, outside linebacker to the, to the numbers, you know, into the boundary, if we're in cover three and, uh, uh, they would play, they would play their area and just match up to the numbers that, uh, uh, off of the indicator. So, um, if number three went to, uh, to the field, those underneath guys would shift to that way. And mm -hmm. if I uh, went to the boundary, those underneath guys would shift that way and they'd, uh, do a great job of getting their eyes on the indicator and breaking on the ball. Right. What we did, we got an awful lot of, uh, um, Tackle and strips. I remember. Uh, I remember one time uh, we we had just gone to uh, to the semifinals and 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 uh, you know the the one double A stuff and and uh, 
we lost nine guys off of that defense, uh, nine starters. So the next year we were sitting around and the staff was all talking about how are we going to, how are we going to equal what, uh, what we did this past season? How, you know, how are we going to be good? And, uh, and one of the coaches says, Hey, we got to get turnovers, got to get takeaways. And that's absolutely what we did. We ended up living, uh, leading the country and, uh, and, uh, interceptions and, and fumble recoveries. So we had 40, uh, let's see, 41 takeaways. I think, uh, that's an awful lot, isn't it? Um, that is good. So, yeah, but, uh, uh, but what we did, we, we got eyes on the quarterback and we did a great job of, of breaking on the ball and not just breaking on the ball, but, uh, but getting two people to the, to the ball and somebody stripping it every time. So, um, that became a, a staple of what, uh, what we wanted to do because when you're getting multiple people to the ball and that can't be a bad thing. Right. You know, yeah. so whether, whether you're tackling them or whether you're uh, taking the ball away from them, that was a good deal. If you get any eyes on the, on the indicator and you get a chance to see, um, uh, see the ball and, and the quarterback sometimes doesn't see, that guy that's not in his vision point. So if he's throwing the ball over the middle of the field and, you know, that backside safety is breaking like crazy on a post and th- there's your pick, you know, or a linebacker that, that sees that uh, quarterback throwing, you know, a dig and quarterback doesn't see him, that backside safety is making that pick. So um, those became things we, we've had an awful lot of picks over, uh, over the years. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things we're, we're able to do is, is see the ball now, when we went to man coverage, exact opposite. What we were looking to do was not uh, – we weren't trying to make the pick. We were trying to get the pressure on the quarterback, but we wanted to make tackles on the receiver or, uh, you know, at least defend the pass much tighter. So going back and forth between uh, a man or, or zone just depended an awful lot on, you know, situations. But uh, but anyway, I think uh, I think, you know, just like you had said in the beginning, we, we, we bounced around a little bit in the, in the early years of going to a three, three stack, we played some even front, but as we moved away from all of that and just went to our three, four, we started to understand how to, to uh, solve problems a little bit better. And I think that's what coaches have to do a great job of is, is, uh, you know, if you're getting schemed and, and you're, uh, outnumbered then you're not helping your defense very much so philosophy was uh you know just uh you know be able to 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 play hard but but be able to to match the numbers you know if if they're putting the the more receivers into the boundary we want to be able to match that um uh if they're putting uh trips to the field we want to be able to match that and if they're pulling guys after the snap we want to be able to match that and they play with an awful lot of uh, great leverage. You know, you get a puller and he's creating an extra gap. Then we wanted somebody to be able to play inside of it, somebody outside of it. And that lent itself to how we defended the option as well. Uh, that option offense, if you're loading linebackers, you need somebody inside that load. And you need somebody outside that load. Right. And uh, so uh, playing with leverage, matching the numbers. And then the other thing was uh, – uh, just don't give up the cheap one. Don't give up the easy one. Uh, keep the ball. Give yourself another chance to play uh, play it down. So we gave up uh, less and less and less explosive plays. So I guess uh, that was what uh, that was what worked an awful lot of the time. 
and then uh, and then as I went and left uh, Wofford, App- Appalachian State was uh, uh, you know still had some of those bigger guys up front, and we started recruiting uh, faster guys up front, and we did a good job of getting after the quarterback. We got great pressure on the quarterback. We chased the football really well, and then we got uh, uh, really good in the in the back end at getting interceptions. Uh, I think most of the years we were in the top uh, top 20, sometimes top 10, uh, and then maybe a couple of times in the top uh, top five in, uh, in interceptions. So those uh, those takeaways are something that uh, Coach Satterfield was, was really appreciative of and, and, and uh, liked that an awful lot. So we were able to get that more with our zone coverages than, uh, than we were with our man coverage. And then um, – you know, uh, back to uh, back to Georgia Tech. You know, at, at <clears throat> you got to defend that uh, triple option again. You know, with those three backs in the backfield. So that's what you're doing during uh, uh, during spring season, and then that's what you're doing in fall camp an awful lot until until uh, a week or ten days before the first ball game. So this defense lent itself to to doing uh, to staying simple and playing fast and finding out. Uh, you know. What works best? Is it the reduction to the uh, to the tight inside, or is it the uh, Oki to the to the tight inside? And then just going back and 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 again, as you stay in this defense, the longer you stay in it, you start to understand how to solve the problems for the kids better and better and better. You know, to where if uh, if you're just blitzing like crazy, sometimes it's hard to to solve that that issue on what's wrong because you don't get the same formations every time. You know, so on the sideline, a little bit more difficult uh, for me at least to explain to the guys, you know, what's going wrong if if we've got a, a ton of uh, different blitzes that I'm using. When I was able to play my base really well and then blitz when uh, an offense gave me the opportunity, that's when we were able to, to be at our best. And, uh, uh, whether that was uh, you know, to the weak side of uh, of offensive formation, or to a tight end side to to the formation, just different things each week would would tell me, hey, this is uh, this is where you want to go attack. And uh, uh, sometimes it's uh, it's up the middle, sometimes it's weak side, sometimes it's uh, to the strong side. So that's what uh, that's what we continue to do. And then when I left Georgia Tech and went to Michigan, I saw enough blitzes to. Uh, to last me the rest of my life <laughs> and then some, you know, <laughs> coach, <laughs> coach Brown, uh, he had a blitz, uh, for every package that he had, he had multiple blitzes and, uh, yeah, he had, uh, he wasn't shy about using them. So that was, uh, uh, just being able to look at, at, uh, uh, a different way of attacking people, a different philosophy. And it absolutely worked, uh, for coach Brown. And it's something that uh, that helped me tremendously as well. But uh, but as you as you do attack, you know, um, you don't have to worry about changing the the momentum as much because when you're attacking all the time, um, it just seemed like something was going to go your way at some point. And then once you got them behind the sticks, it was uh, uh, just knocking down the barn door with uh, with the next blitz. Well, spoiler. Uh... Spoiler alert, um, Coach Brown has agreed to come on again. 
and he was on. Yes, he was my second guest when I uh, started my own podcast, and we talked philosophy. But if I can get him on and get him talking, I want to talk about his cover one twist because I've learned a lot of them secondhand. So, for example, Georgia runs one that they've run before, but it was one of those deals like they had in the playbook, but um, they saw Michigan in North Carolina. They did a TFL study a couple years ago. And they kept saw they you know they got the film and they were watching Michigan, and they kept seeing this blitz. And then and as you're talking, I'm trying to pull it up. It's called it's not the bear like it's called bear something, but it's not the bear defense because when I heard bear and then I saw it, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. But it's called bear something, and you know Georgia. I learned it when I was at Georgia. They call it some a bear Joker City. Is that does that ring a bell? Bear Joker. Yeah. That's the number one. Yeah, Isn't that like uh, Coach Brown's bear. number one blitz? You know what? He, he asked us. Uh, he, he, uh, we were around the table uh, one day. He asked us what uh, what our favorite uh, call was. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And when he got to me, uh, that was my that was my answer. Bear Joker. Really? I loved it. Yeah. So, so we started running it. Because I think we we did a little. I think we twisted the front. That this when you ran that. Did you run the the pick game with the tackle on the nose? Uh, yes. Okay, I mean, so you did run it. But, so uh, we actually, we ran. So I started doing it because Georgia started doing it. We actually forced a fumble on Bear Joker City. We actually ran it to the to the back. So for the listeners, this is the variation I know. And coach, you correct me. You you tell me where it's different. So the way I learned it was, you set the three technique to the back. The three technique is going to penetrate. They're going to run a tom game or a ton game, whatever you want to call it. The tackle to the back is going to penetrate. The nose is going to uh, wrap around. The way that we ran it was the end would take one step up field and then rip in the B gap, and the backer away from the back would loop off the edge. But this is very key. You don't want to bring them off the edge wide and come. The way that I was taught was you'd run at the tackle, so you thought he was, so the tackle thought you were blitzing the B gap to hold it, to hold him from just washing down the end. And then you loop outside to contain late, but you got to hit it tight. But you also have to do it where you're containing, which is hard because we have blitzes where the inside backer comes off the edge where we want them to come wide. We have ones where we want to hit it tight when we're bringing two off the edge. So you're hitting that C gap path, but you're you're hitting it tight and you're, you're in a position to spill it if you get a block. So you get two off the edge of the back. But this, yeah, I, you want to hit it tight and yeah. then you want to loop it wider and contain and puncturing that B gap away from the back, man. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, so you're good. right. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing about uh, about that was uh, in the old days, you you, you didn't want to stunt very much versus the run because it was uh, it was hard for your linebackers to understand where to fit. Uh, the game has changed so much and and and, uh, and evolved with uh, with the advent of the internet. I mean, uh, now all the days you can you can get someone's best blitz. Uh, that they ran, uh, you know, Saturday, and you can be installing it on uh, on Sunday's install or or, or Monday's uh, Monday's practice. You know, so now all of a sudden, what we 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 see is is uh, you create different angles, you know, for uh, for your defenders. They're not where the offense uh, offensive line thought they were going to be, and that causes problems. You know, so anytime that uh, uh, whether you're doing it off of the back whether you're doing it off of a tight end or whether you're doing it to the receiver strength, uh, you got different ways to set, uh, set these blitzes up. Right. But, 
um, the movement and their eyes, you know, where are you going to take their eyes? And then if you can take your linebackers uh, out of that, uh, all that, all that uh, uh, chaos, you know, up front and like coach does, you know, put them, put them in some man coverage and, and uh, uh, track the, uh, uh, you know, the tight footwork or the wide footwork or slash footwork, you know, that's what, uh, yeah, that gives you an advantage because now all of a sudden you get, uh, you get that tackle for a loss. Those guys are uh, trying to play catch up and that's, uh, that's feeding right into your hands now, you know, yeah. uh, teeing off and going to the quarterback. And that's the name of the game, man. You get that quarterback, um, you get that quarterback uneasy, you know, if he's getting hit, even if he's throwing, getting rid of it, if he's getting hit, uh, it, it makes him think a little bit and, and, uh, you know, especially as the game goes on, especially as the game goes on. And, and if you were to get into a two minute situation, that's what, right. uh, we're one thinking about it. So, well, I had a coach ask uh, me recently, he's an even front coach and he he's undersized, but he's got some quick guys, but they're based out of a four two. And he said, you know, what, what, what advice do you have? Well, cause he said our linemen, they're not very big or he didn't say, he didn't say they were, they were small. He just said, they're not very good. I said, well, what's the issue? Are they not big enough? Are they not strong enough? Are they, is it all of the above? He says, they're, they're quick. They're not very big. I said, here's what you need to do. You need to go track down all the Michigan film you can find. Now they're bleeding. You guys had some dudes, but they're twisting the games that you guys ran with the twists. And the because I said, well, my next question was, can you hold up on the outside? And he said, yes. I said, I gave him some homework. I said, you got two things. You need to go find Michigan tape. You need to find all coach Brown's cover one blitzes of which there are 97 <laughs> and you need to find <laughs> UTSA when coach Pete Golding was there. They same thing. A lot of yeah. even twisting game, bringing an inside backer from inside to outside and doing some things. And I love, especially now with everybody running because, because you know, everybody used to run, you know, the eye stuff and the power and the counter and, but you have all these different plays where now it's what version of, I mean, every time you play, unless you're playing the triple option or something, you know, what version of zone am I getting? Where is it hitting? It's not even do they run zone. It's okay. Where's the zone hitting? <laughs> and, you know, you, 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 you're seeing that you can run some of these twists and they actually don't fit too bad against power read and counter and some of that stuff out of 10 and 11 personnel. But quick story before we move on, um, we ran the uh, bear Joker city, the blitz I was talking about, but we actually had it wrong. We were running, we were putting the three away from the back and we were puncturing the B gap to the back. And we actually forced a fumble without touching the quarterback. So what happened was the end did his quick jab step and rip us in the B. And the backers blitzing straight at the tackle's face. And so the quarterback's thinking, oh, my God, I've got the edge. You got the end crashing and the backer coming inside. I'm going to go for 80 here. And just as he disconnects, the backer pops around and contains. And he goes, oh, my God. And it's literally like when you say coughs up the ball, you've heard that term, I'm sure a million times. Yeah, he literally was like, he coughed and just drops the ball and we fell on it because of the peekaboo <laughs> effect of the blitz. I'm like, well, that's the easiest horse fumble we've ever had. But yeah, so there's some really good stuff there. Yeah, I, I think this, I think uh, uh, when I, when I look at the back, uh, I, I was doing really good with, uh, with setting our defense, uh, you know, to the back and, 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 and all that. And, and then a number of years ago, I guess uh, we're playing against Clemson. I guess uh, Rodriguez had just left as the coordinator uh, at Clemson and, and gone on to uh, West Virginia. I'm trying to remember what year that it was. Pretty good while ago, but uh, but they had a great running back 
but the quarterback was even better. Uh, Woody Dantzler, I think, uh, was oh, yeah. his name. Just a super, uh, you know, dual threat. And we wanted to be able to get our outside linebacker up the field, just get the ball out of his hands and uh, uh, be able to, to rotate our linebackers, you know, to, to where he was going to hand it off, you know, because back then, you know, um, they did, he did a great job with his own read and, and throwing the football, you know, Coach Rodriguez was sort of ahead of the game a little bit, uh, you know, back in those days. But, uh, but we worked all week as far as getting that outside back. And we could do like, uh, you know, we, we could use either outside backer to get up the field because of the three, four and just set our, our defense after, uh, uh, after they got lined up, even if they were going, um, no huddle, you know, and, and going speed fast tempo. But, uh, but then what he started doing was, uh, he would jump the back over and then, uh, I didn't have time to switch the defense, and and that it just became a, a an issue for us um, because we didn't feel like we could get everybody on the same page that quick when the back would uh, show one side and then come back on the other. And then the other thing that teams have started doing recently was uh, putting the back directly behind uh, behind the quarterback. I say recently in the last yeah. ten years, but uh, but putting him directly behind the quarterback. In that uh, in that dot or pistol type of uh, formation, so we got away from from saying, "Hey, you have to put this to uh, to the back or away from the back," and just went, "Well, hey, let's run it." You know, this is our reduction side. This is uh, this is our blitz. This is our stunt. This is our twist, and just uh, just go to town with it. And that still continued to give offenses trouble. So um, you muddied up the uh, the inside of it. That thing's not hitting. You know, downhill, north and south, in a, in a hurry, then uh, then you got a chance with uh, with your edges, you right. know, guys that that uh, uh, can can get it down for you. And uh, so, same thing, you know, coach. Uh, uh, again, it's just a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for me to uh, to sit in there and and learn from coach uh, coach Brown and see all his twists and and, and games and stuff like that. Just uh, uh, outstanding. But those are the things that that, uh, that I enjoy as well. Just uh, you know, just stunting it up and, and bringing a linebacker, whether it's inside or outside, uh, doing some stuff out of some five man deal mm-hmm. to stop the run. It used to be in the old days. That's uh, that's what you were doing to try to get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, offense is caught up with some of that. Uh, you know, some of those uh, uh, zone blitzes and uh, started getting rid of the football in, in areas that, that were difficult to defend. So. Uh, just keeps going back and forth. Whoever's got the pen last uh, is coming up with a, another answer. Right now, the uh, the answers have to come up with, you know, defensively for the uh, uh, RPOs, and uh, whether that's man coverage or zone, you better have your answers on on how to uh, defend the run and the pass because now all of a sudden you got that uh, you got that guard flying down the field hitting your linebacker in the mouth. While the ball is is coming back behind the linebacker, you know uh, the receiver's coming behind the linebacker and they're throwing it. Right. And that uh, that's tough uh, tough to defend. But if you're bringing guys off the edge, um, and those tackles are blocking those ends, you know down, then that outside backer's got the heck of a shot on that quarterback. And uh, I know you 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 protect the quarterback, but if you if you can get uh, uh, those RPOs, you ain't protecting that quarterback. He's reading it and he's throwing it, and you're getting your shots. Right. So I don't know how many uh, 
that have great quarterbacks want to continue to get their quarterbacks hit like that. So, right. So I got a question personnel wise for you. So, you know, I'm assuming your, your ends are your ends, your nose is your nose. You know, we've talked about what you're looking for there. I'm guessing your secondary is, I mean, if you're playing more zone, you're going to want more Bahawks. You're not playing man to man is not the most important thing. And your inside backers are inside backers. And you talked briefly about your dog and your Apache. So your dog is usually think, your boundary outside backer, and your Apache is your field. Yeah, the dog is going to be into the boundary, and he's going to, he's going to be a guy that uh, he can put stress on that offensive tackle. So that at least I get uh, uh, if that offensive tackle is late getting out of his stance, then um, yeah, that that dog is going to be able to uh, to blow by him. And then absolutely, there's there's pass rush techniques that uh, that you got to teach that that dog. But his speed and agility is going to be something that. Uh, uh, that's going to put stress on the tackle and tackle all of a sudden wants to get into a vertical, uh, you know, set to, to try to, to catch up to that dog. You know, if he goes and attacks him right now, then if he misses or the, the dog is able to get off of it quickly, then easy to get to the quarterback. If, uh, if you get into that vertical set out of that offensive tackle, now all of a sudden that dog needs to be able to turn that into power and, uh, you know, match that uh, offensive tackle into the quarterback. So it becomes a game that, that uh, you know, whether finesse or power out of that dog on that offensive tackle. And that offensive tackle is going to give you a stance that, uh, that will show that he's going to get back out of there, you know, because he can't put his hand down and get back into a vertical set and stop that dog unless he's uh, – and let's see superhuman, you know? So now all of a sudden you get the, uh, you get that, that, that dog matchup on, on that tackle. Then that tackle stands up an awful lot more and you start to get a little bit better key on, on, uh, uh the runner pass game. Uh, the Apache to the field is the guy that, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that you'll pick and choose whether you want to go with a, a nickel type of, uh, a cover guy or whether he's a linebacker type. And um, the, I mean, for me, I want to be able to have two different type of guys that I can play at that position. I want, uh, want a guy that, that we can play more coverage with. I want a guy that, that uh, if I need to come up and, and play against tight ends and uh, uh, so forth, then I can substitute for, for that guy. Uh, if he's a guy that can do both and really well, then uh, he's probably going to make a lot of money on, on weekends one day. You know, on Sundays, but, uh, gotcha. but yeah, he's the guy that, uh, if you can play man coverage with him, then you get more man coverage in your, uh, uh, in your, in your scheme and your system. And, uh, if he's more of a zone type of guy, then that's what you tend to play a little bit more of. And, uh, uh, whether it's a split coverage or post coverage is irrelevant. His, what he does well is what uh, uh, may dictate what uh, what you do more of. When we're bringing that uh, the boundary side outside backer uh, again, I'll call him our dog. When that dog is coming from the boundary, the the coverage that I like to go to is the quarter quarter half and playing the quarters to the field and the half technique into the boundary and and then um, uh, probably. Uh, once you get into a, a little bit heavier personnel, 12 personnel, then we're going to get into uh, a little bit more of the, the free safety dropping down into the boundary 
just playing a, a true quarters. Um, if uh, if we're bringing the the outside linebacker from the field, then we're going to be getting into a post coverage and just playing a, a true old school cover three. And uh, there'd be times where we can lock it up and, and match it. Um, but, uh, but I like being able to, to zone it off and, and playing the, uh, you know, the spot drops as, as well. So if, uh, if we're bringing the inside linebackers, then, then all we got to do is just swap the, uh, the coverage. So if the weak side, uh, weak side inside backer is, is coming on a, on a, pressure or, or taking the place of uh, one of the outside backers. And again, what, uh, whatever coverage we got called. So if it's the dog that was supposed to come and they, and they swaps it with the uh, inside backer, then we're still in our cover four, cover six, some type of split coverage. Likewise, when that, uh, when that strong side linebacker outside linebacker swaps his rush with the, uh, the inside backer to the field, uh, we're in a post coverage. So that's basically what uh, what we try to keep things simple with, and whether we're uh, matching it up or or zoning it off depends an awful lot on on game plans and uh, and routes that, uh, that that we see. That makes sense. Now, when you're bringing your inside linebacker, are you mainly rushing him inside, or are you replacing him outside? Are you bringing him off the edge? Like, what do you? I mean, I know it can be either or, but I'm I'm assuming when you're trading rushes with the outside linebacker, the inside backer is going to come off the edge. And if you're just bringing him, you're going to bring him from the inside. But do you bring him outside off the edge from the inside? Do you have him move out there late a lot or do you primarily bring him inside? Most of what, uh, what we try to do is, is uh, when we feel like pass is, is, uh, is coming, then we give the freedom to the, uh, to the inside linebacker to make a, a, uh, a stunt. You know any kind of uh, two-man stunt that he wants to go to town with, uh, with the defensive end to his side, he can make a call to him and either have that inside technique come take the uh, the A gap or B gap and the inside linebacker wrap around, or vice versa, have the uh, inside linebacker <clears throat> rush the A gap or B gap and then let the uh, the defensive end feign a rush in the uh, in the B gap and then if he's blocked down on, he will contain outside. Um, same thing for the, uh, the strong side linebacker. The Mike would, uh, would have the, the ability to, to make a call to his defensive end to get into a stunt. And then there's times where we'll give a three man stunt, um, uh, on certain downs and distances. We let those, uh, inside linebackers make those calls on a three man stunt. If, uh, if they're going on, on a rush. So I don't really make an awful lot of, uh, stunt calls for, uh, for our fronts. Uh, the linebackers will make a, a good bit of that. And then there's times where, uh, where the defensive linemen make those calls as well. That's great stuff. Now, when you're bringing the, see, we're talking about the boundary outside backer. We've talked a little bit about the plugs. When you're bringing those inside linebackers, can you, do you, you basically assign it where if it's the guy to the boundary, you're going to run your split safety, and if it's the guy to the field, you're going to run your three deep. Or do you mix it up because those guys are coming from the inside? It's easier to play all of your coverages in a weird way. Um, we're not in a weird way, but in a way, 
it's easier to mix and match your coverages when you're bringing the inside guys? Or do you pretty much say, hey, if we're bringing this guy, bring the boundary guy, we're playing our split field stuff. If we're bringing the guy off the field, we're playing our post stuff. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the we really like to keep it simple with those guys. Um, if uh, if we're bringing the inside linebackers, then then we can. If we're bringing both inside linebackers, then then uh, rent up a, a split coverage. And uh, if we're bringing one of them, and again, it just depends on on the call. If I've made a uh, you know a left call, and that left marries up to the uh, to the boundary, then they're they're tied into. Uh, uh, you know, the split coverage. Um, and again, if I'm making, uh, if the ball's on the left hash as the defense is looking at it and the wide side of the field is to the right and I make that right call, then, um, you know, we are tied into to that post post coverage um, a large percentage of the time. Now we'll play some man. We'll, uh, uh, we'll get in there and play, uh, you know, man, depending on what, uh, what our matchups are like and uh, you know, what kind of splits we're getting. So, uh, we always have the ability to come back and, and, and make a, uh, you know, lock it up, you know, based off of splits. And I think a, a lot of people have that, uh, that same thing in their package, but, um, the majority of, of, of what we do on a, on a third down may be in a sub package. So in our base on first or second down, we're generally staying with, uh, within our rules of, of, uh, weak reduction, is split coverage, strong reduction post. Now, when you're bringing that guy from the field, you've alluded to it. You're bringing, you're playing your post. Um, you're playing your post defense. You're playing cover three. You're rolling down a strong safety to the field. So I believe you call your your Apache as your overhang to the field. He's going to go. Your line is going to slant to the boundary. Um, you're going to roll down into what I what I would call three stock with three sky or three strong. And mm-hmm. your backside safety is going to play the middle field. Um, that's a pretty straightforward concept. I mean, that's pretty much most three, four defenses, their number one call when they bring that guy. What else do you do out of that when you're bringing that strong side guy? Or is it is that pretty much what you do when you're bringing that four, when you're just bringing four? When we're bringing four, that's uh, that's pretty much what we do. Okay. Um, I mean, there, there, uh, there may be times where, where, from a game plan standpoint, we may try to uh, to switch it up a little bit, but uh, but for the most part, what we're trying to do every week is, is stay the same and, and do just a little bit better from a standpoint of execution and and uh, understanding the uh, what the offense does and spend the majority of the time studying them, you know, and not our assignments. So uh, we stay simple, and it uh, it is something to where if we see that uh, uh, that I, we don't like the matchup with our uh, you know, with our outside linebacker coming from the from the field, and our outside linebacker into the boundary dropping. Then we can always change that call fairly easily. Just uh, just getting into a, a an opposite call there. So we'll uh, we'll go back and we'll take a look and see what we like uh, our Oki side to, whether it's to a tight end or or to the uh, to the open side, and then vice versa. And then we'll marry up the coverages with the, uh, with what, uh, whether the the call is on the uh, the short side of the field, or where the strong call is to the uh, to the wide side of the field. Now, when you break down your defense, and I kn- I know every every year is different based on your personnel, 
their personnel, what they're going to do on offense. So I know it's hard to, you know, pin this down to an exact number, but if we're just kind of breaking down your defense, if I was to turn on your tape last uh, stop at Georgia Tech when you were calling defense, and I was to run a report on, you know, four-man rushes, boundary, four-man rushes field, and then five-man pressures, six-man pressures, and then drop eight, what percentages would I find? I think what uh, what you'll find is is drop eight is something that uh, that I love to do earlier in my career, and I did an awful lot of it. Uh, quarterbacks became a little bit more uh, mobile, and once they saw that uh, there was only three rushing, then they started to run the football a little bit more. So down and distance absolutely is something that uh, that you're looking to uh, to use, and, and why I may drop eight. Uh, but as far as the percentage of it, uh, I mean, you're, you're probably talking about uh, five times in a ball game, and uh, um, and that could be with with checks or or calls. And then if uh, if I'm making a a boundary call and playing a split split coverage, we're probably doing that uh, somewhere around sixty five percent of the time. And then to the uh, to the field, we'll. Uh, um, We'll bring that outside linebacker and play a post coverage, you know, somewhere around thirty, uh, a little bit uh, around the thirty percent of the time. Now, are you bringing much five and six man rushes, or is that is that mostly you do what you've previously described? No, we'll bring a, we'll bring a five or six man pressure. Uh, I think uh, I was in a ball game a long time ago against South Carolina. Uh, this is back when I was at Wofford, and and I remember. Uh, uh, got down to the uh, late in the ball game. We were playing South Carolina, and, and we were, uh, I guess, we were down down by about uh, six points, I think, maybe seven. And uh, South Carolina was was driving down the field, and and I remember we we had a difficult time getting getting off the field, getting the stop, and uh, you know went through the the five man pressures and and. Uh, you know, we could get to third down, but we couldn't get off the field on that on that last drive. And, and I remember, uh, you know, trying to call uh, uh, Coach Spurrier, you know, the next day and just say, "Hey, could uh, could you give me a little bit of feedback, you know, on on things that uh, that I should be better?" And he mentioned that uh, you know, going with a zero blitz earlier in the ball game, and something that that uh, that makes a play caller think about it. So that was something that uh, that I always took with me, and so we'll, we'll get a zero blitz um, going early in the ball game to where if that zero blitz doesn't work and and uh, everything breaks down and there's a score, at least we got plenty of time to come back from that. But the other thing it does is is now, hey, it's uh, it's in his mind. We can bring uh, we can bring that extra guy and uh, and play zero. We will do it, and then. Uh, uh, Doing it a little bit earlier also gives you a chance to to see how the matchup's going, and then later on in the game, I'll uh, I'll usually call that a second or, or third time. So you may see about three zero blitzes during uh, during a ball game. The five man pressures are, I mean, that's that's not a lot different for us than than the uh, the four man rush. You know, just uh, just getting into it and then matching. Uh, generally, we're, we're matching the the uh the routes you know playing a, a match coverage or getting in and playing um uh, you know some trap coverage 
Gotcha. Well, that's, first of all, that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing with us um, about calling Coach Spurrier. That just shows the kind of coach you are, that you're willing to call an opponent after a game and say, hey, give me give me some feedback. And it was, I think it's really cool of him to answer you as well and give you some honest feedback. Well, that was the that was the best thing was that uh, he gave me something that uh, you know when Spurrier tells you something you listen, you know. Yeah. If uh, <laughs> so, the fact that uh, I, I did have a former player that that was coaching there with him, and uh, you know, that, that sort of helped me out you know, as far as going through him and 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 asking him about uh, about the game. So uh, it was something that uh, that always stuck with me and. And always had an awful lot of respect for him. So it was something that I uh, absolutely paid attention to. That's really cool. That's that's one of my all-time favorite stories I've ever been told on this podcast. So thank you for that. Well, that's a really cool sure. breakdown of, I mean, I'm just fascinated. And there might be some guys sitting in their cars or, well, hopefully sitting at home and washing their hands every 30 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, probably sitting there be like, yeah, no, no shit, Chris. Like, this is how a 3-4 defense works. But it's just... To me, it's fascinating because you're doing the things that I've done with with more flexibility. And I always thought of the three, four, and you know, we run odd fronts on third down, and we've played odd fronts for years, but in 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 very specific situations. But it's just, and you, you know, I've seen a lot of these defenses before where you go, okay, that's just you're just landing even. But just how how we're breaking this down and how your system was explained to me. You know, it just, it seems a little bit more, it, to me, it seems a little closer to, you know, what we do in a weird way. Like, cause, cause, you know, most of the three, four teams I study, especially when you study the saving guys, they're overwhelmingly bringing the strong safety and playing. They're basically slanting to under and they're playing cover three. Mm-hmm. And right. to me, this defense seems like you're more slanting, you know, you're slanting to an over front. And you're and you're playing your split field stuff, and so the, and that's more in my comfort zone. I mean, maybe I have this wrong. I, I might have this completely backwards, but I mean, that's just kind no. Of- you're exactly right. That's uh, that's what we do, and that's what uh, uh, I, I I think the things that, that that helped us a little bit was you know when we put a guy that that uh, at that three technique, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't very good versus that double team then you better be getting that linebacker downhill in a hurry to pull that double team off of him. Right. But if you're getting a double team and then all of a sudden you got uh, you got the option game coming behind it and that linebacker's getting downhill, now you're outnumbered. And uh, uh, because you need those linebackers to be able to flow with uh, with that you know that that uh, that that pitch back or flow. So for us it was just made an awful lot of sense to get uh, Get a little bit more speed on the field. Get guys that, that had the the quick twitch, the explosiveness. And if you sacrifice, you know, a couple of inches or three inches, who cares? You know, the big thing that you're looking for is is, is a guy that can move his feet and bend and and go. So now you don't want to take him out of out of those positions to to get double teamed. And when you can do that, now you're lining head up and and you're moving to uh, to your gap responsibility. You still got to get your eyes on on who it is that's blocking. You still got to get your hands on them, but now you're moving and you're making that offensive line and move his feet. And as long as he's moving his feet now, now that's the part that not every offensive lineman can do well. So now you find the one that, that uh, maybe doesn't move quite as well. It's not quite as flexible. 
and now you're putting a, a speed guy or a twitchy guy on him, now all of a sudden you're starting to get uh, some penetration in, uh, in the back of him. Now all you got to do is, is start to uh, make that ball bubble a little bit or you know get some tackles for a loss, and they're behind schedule. So it just made an awful lot of sense for us to, to go to something a little bit more like that, and it's worked. Um, you know, the, the, the bigger guys that eat up the, uh, the blocks is, is something that uh, has absolutely worked for an awful lot of people. This is just something that's uh, uh, a little bit more of a slant angle that's, that's worked for me. Right. Now, as you're progressing through your careers and, or your career and you're moving up the ladder, so to speak, in terms of, you know, going to these, you know, now I, I understand you're an army independent, but you know, you were at a power five school a couple of years ago where you could get those war daddies, those big dudes um, that can move and all that. And you don't always have to play with the underdogs. Cause I struggle with this when I, I, I'd been used to playing with the underdogs and we were playing in a game. I'll never forget this. We were playing in a game in 2017. Um, and you know, we were a very TCU esque, you know, set the three to the back slant and angle the front, do all that stuff. And we were getting hurt. And I realized like, Hey, wait a minute. We're better than them up front. We had some big Polynesian kids that were, they were quick, but they weren't necessarily great slanters, but they could, I mean, one of them was going to probably play guard in the NFL. And we just called field man free field G man free and just started to shut them down. And it was weird because I didn't know how to play. It was like I didn't know how to play when I had the 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 dudes that could the war daddies that could do that. Now I had, don't get me wrong, I had special players, but my special players up until that point had been in the secondary, had been a linebacker, but I had a guy that could just take a double team and throw it. When you get in those situations, are you kind of just moving those guys into gaps and playing it more? straight up or are you really just trying to find those guys that can move no matter what and slanting and keeping your philosophy i want as much quick twitch on the field as i can possibly get gotcha now if i get guys that that uh, they can run too or if i get guys that that uh, can run uh that are 300 plus heck yeah is that what i want you better believe it um but yeah we always have the ability to to uh shift or line up in a, in a shaded uh, shaded front, whether it's uh, whether you play that nose in a in a uh, a shade or whether you play them in a two eye, uh, absolutely we have the ability to do that. Same thing with uh, with a three technique. We can move uh, we can move that right. that four technique to a three, and then you just play. Uh, no uh, no different. And then we also have you know the tight front, you know where where those guys will stuff the uh, the center and the 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 two fours will will uh play lag and you know that's something that you mix in during the course of the game you don't just line up and play you know a weak reduction or just line up and play a, a strong reduction or play double okey or double reduction you can you want to mix up your uh your fronts and you want to do stunts and moving those uh you know when you call that stunt and why is uh it's incredibly important you know if uh, if you can marry up that outside linebacker coming off the edge, and then your your defensive end feigning inside and then wrapping around, then all of a sudden you got the you got the dive taken care of, and you got a quarterback player sitting outside of. Um, yeah, just uh, those those are the things that that absolutely 
help you win ball games, but more than anything else, you know, if if you're not quick enough to to catch up to the ball, that's where I've been hurt the most. Nobody has ever really just come in and just pounded me and knocked me off the ball consistently. Um, play after play after play. I take it back. There was uh, there was one time when Lou Holtz was at uh, University of South Carolina. Uh, his offensive line was outstanding. They did a great job at knocking us off the ball, and uh, and that was a tough day. Uh, that was a that was a really good uh, uh, South Carolina team. I think the uh, the fullback was a uh, was a guy named Pinnock, who was about two seventy, and uh, they did a great job of of running the power. Um, so, you know, almost thirty years. That that's the that's the one that really stands out. But if it's just one, then you know, let's uh, let's get the fast cats on the field and let them Absolutely, go. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's just interesting. You know, in high school, you get what you get sometimes, and you have to you have to create some. And I'm I'm sure you've had that in terms of where you come into a school your first year. Like, well, I want X Y Z, but this is what I got. How do we get through this until I can get my guys, or you know, whatever it is? So I was always just curious, guys that you know, that have a certain philosophy of types of players they want. And if they don't have them, what do you do until the cavalry comes kind of a thing. And that I know for myself, when, you know, we would start, we would start stemming to our slants because our guys were so powerful that and, and lateral quick. I mean, they were quick, but they weren't great slanters. And so we ran into that problem. So that's why I wanted to know like what you would suggest in terms of for a team that, wants to do that but they don't they don't have it yet or they're developing and whatnot but that's a you know that's some great answers in there no i, I think i know exactly what you're talking about i i, I don't there's some guys that that, that that just don't move east and west very well there's some guys that don't uh don't get off on the ball north and south very well um when you choose your 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 targets that you're going to slant to i think that's important too and a lot of it uh maybe how fast or or uh how athletic that, that offensive lineman is. If that offensive lineman is bigger, stronger, and faster than you, yeah. <laughs> you not give great, me a defense <laughs> to play against that, you know? That's uh that's not gonna be a great day for uh for for your team. But um you know just giving them uh, good coaching points and I think fundamentals win an awful lot of football games. If you don't uh, if you don't beat yourself then uh then you give yourself a heck of a chance to win. And if, uh, if there's a, something that puts fear, I believe, in an offensive lineman that, that weighs about 330 pounds, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the 270 or 280-pound defensive lineman or 290-pound or 300-pound defensive lineman. You know, because he's, that offensive lineman still outweighs you by 30, then uh, it's the quickness. It's, uh, it's the explosiveness. It's, uh, um, you know, the, the quick hands, it's the quick feet, it's the the athleticism. It's uh can he get uh you know, can you get his hands off of you so that you can blow by him? Because if you don't have the feet to get by him and all you gotta do is put those big paws inside and try to bull rush every time, that's tough. And um you know, that's that's not something that uh that you're gonna get to the quarterback and two and a half seconds, 2.7 seconds, you know, uh, very, very often, you know? So 
just uh, making that guy whiff a little bit. And yeah, you got to come up with some blitzes. I mean, you got to come up with some stunts. You got to come up with some mirrors and and make them uh, believe you're coming uh, from an overloaded side and, and then actually be bringing it from the other. That's uh, those are things that that uh, uh, you got to be able to give you know from a scheme standpoint to your to your defense. But uh, but if they don't know if it's disguised and they don't know which way you're coming from. The majority of the time, that's uh, that's got to be a favor of the defense as well. Yep, absolutely. Now, I want to switch gears into talking about pressures. And this is, we're going to say anything that's five plus. What are your top three, let's just say over the last five years you were calling plays, what are your top three pressures that you ran at, like, if, again, if I was sitting at your, your personal, and I'm Coaches don't bug him. He doesn't have this. This is a this is a a fantasy scenario or a made up scenario. If if I could go to Coach Nate Woody's personal exos lab or whatever, and I could run a report on your defense from the last five years where you were calling plays, what would the top three pressures that I found? What would be the top three pressures that I'd find, and when do you use them? If you ask me when I would use them, it depends on what uh, what stage of the career I'm in. The last five years, if if uh, if I'm looking to go pressure, um, I'm <clears throat> the one thing that that I that I understood from from working with the offensive guys on the staff is that that uh, that offensive lineman and that uh, that running backs coach are going to sit in there on a on a Sunday night and they're going to pick out what uh, what your blitzes are. And they're going to come up with, hey, these are the protections that uh, that you go to pick up the uh, uh, the pressures. So the things that that uh, aren't shown on film work. It seems like to me better than the ones that uh, that they've seen or, or that I've run the majority of. So if um, if if you were to look at uh, at my film, probably the the beginning of the year, there's a lot less pressures. Then if you get into the latter half of the year, that's when we're putting in more and more and more. The blitz that I've, I've enjoyed the most over the last uh, several years has been called flood. Flood was going to be a four-man pressure coming from the field. It was going to be um, uh, our end from the field was going to long stick through the A-gap. Our weak side linebacker, our wheel, was going to come to the strong side B-gap. Our nose was going to go weak A-gap, and our end – into the boundary was going to go weak side contain. All right. Our, uh, our Mike to the field was going to walk up and then he was going to get up the field to contain. And then our outside linebacker to the field, our Apache was going to come under him through, uh, through the C gap. So creating four to a side. And then our strong safety was going to drop down to, uh, to the number two receiver to the field. Our dog was going to drop, you know, to any number two receiver to the field with vision on quarterback. And if the ball was going to come out quick, we wanted to have uh, great vision on that. The corners would play, you know, a hot third, and then the free safety would play a middle third. And this is basically, I guess, what uh, what a lot of people call that magic coverage. And it was something that, uh, that I knew that if it was uh, long yardage situations, I knew we could get good pressure. It was something that, that worked an awful lot for me. And, uh, but it also worked against the run as well because a lot of times that center on the on the zone scheme 
in the running game didn't come with the guard. He wasn't expecting the, the long stick through the A-gap. And, and when that, uh, that end would come through that A-gap, he would penetrate and make an awful lot of plays in the backfield. So flood is, uh, is absolutely the, the, the thing that, that's given us the most success over, uh, over the last several years. Sound like a great pressure. I'm going to need to put that one in, Coach. And you said you like divers run and pass? Yeah, I, at, at first it was just uh, just wanted to use it against pass because that's what uh, most everybody else was doing. And then, uh, heck, you know what? We had uh, we had one of those bowl practices and, and just let our uh, our scout team, our young guys, uh, practice against one another. And I just kept calling it, calling it over and over and over again. And uh, man, it was just making uh, making plays like crazy from uh, you know stopping and run. So. That was something that uh, that I started going to a little bit more at Georgia Tech, and and it helped us uh, uh, quite a, quite a bit, you know, to uh, uh, stop and run and and create some tackles for loss. I think, uh, uh, yeah, definitely the Mike was able to to come off there and and uh, make some plays. The long stick in was able to make uh, quite a few plays, and then you were able to get everything gapped out. Oh, that sounds good. I'm putting that one in, Coach. Well, Coach, thanks so much for coming on. Before we go, I ask this to all my first-time guests. I call it the question or the championship question. I don't know. I need, to, I need to catch your name for that. But the scenario is basically you're playing in the national championship. The offense is around the 35-yard line, and they've got a good kicker. It's fourth and eight. You're going to get two-by-two two or three-by-one, and all things being equal, what would you call the scenario basically is, or to further the scenario, they have to get the first down. Basically the scenario dictates that they get the first, they're going to get the field goal. They're going to win the national championship. They only need the field goal. You got to stop them. You got to win first down. It's do or die. You win the first down, you win. They win the first down. They win. They're more of a stick-throwing team, so they're not going to try anything crazy because they really just they they can they feel good about their field goal kicker. They're just going to try to drive to the sticks, and they got eight yards to go. All things being equal, you don't know their talent, you don't know your talent. What's your gut tell you? What's the first thing you want to do? When I'm I'm going to go back to two things on that uh, on that last play of the ball game. I don't want to to lose not giving everything I got. And as I started as a as a coordinator in this uh, in this league, um, if uh, you passed the fifty yard line, I was I was blitzing like crazy. So uh, after having spent uh, quite a bit of time with uh, you know Coach Brown at Michigan and and uh, this last past season, uh, I saw an awful lot of pressures that uh, that he had. But uh, but what I'm going to go with and what I'm going to do on that scenario is go with a blitz to where I'm bringing more than you got, and I'm going to play a zero coverage. I'm going to catch you at the sticks, and whoever wins, wins. So that, uh, that's what I want to get after him and not uh, not give that quarterback a chance to wiggle out of there. Don't give him a chance to pat the ball and uh, let the better man win. I love it. Never go down with the bullets to the left in the gun. You got it, babe. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Good luck on your first year at Army, and uh, stay safe in all this craziness. Thank you, Chris. Hey, it was great meeting you. I, uh, I absolutely appreciate uh, this opportunity and uh, hope to uh, speak to you again. All right? Thanks, Coach. 
Thank you for joining us on another episode of Make Defense Great Again. I've had a blast talking to Coach Woody. Make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast as well as write a review if you've got some time on your hands with your favorite podcasting app. Find me on Twitter at Coach Vass or on the show's account at MDGA Podcast. Check out www.coachvass.com for links to a bunch of different things that I'm up to, including my Patreon account as well as my CoachTube videos. If you want to get the F the coronavirus bundle, go to Twitter and you'll see my pinned tweet on the at Coach Fast account. As I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in consulting, hit me up, coachfastfootball at gmail.com. And I know it's a tight time for everybody, but if you're feeling generous, head on over to gofundme.com slash Veronica Vassar. And lastly, never forget that the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.